Okay, Betsy, when you're ready, tell me what you're experiencing. I can hear episodes without commercials. It just jumps right in. Where is this happening? Apollo Plus. I can listen to hundreds of awesome shows. I see revenue, 70% floating to the creators. And now I hear bonus material, exclusives, scenes I never heard before. Okay, okay. How do we get there? I'm seeing people sign up on the Apollo app and apollopods.com. They all look so happy. That's all I got. I think that was plenty, Betsy. You're listening to Remote. In an estuary near town, a kayak and canoe shop's locks were destroyed and its gates left open. Under a weak glow of moonlight, Jasmine, dressed in all black, snuck along the banks of the river, slowly dragging a two-person kayak into the water. She began to paddle inland at a steady pace. Her phone's screen was set to its lowest light setting. She headed toward the pin on her GPS, while through an earbud she listened back to a recording of Betsy's viewing session. The farm is alongside the river. There's a fence. It's climbable. It has barbed wire at the top. I actually can give you coordinates of this place. Here, I can write them down. Hey, Barbara. Looks like we're close. My name's... Never mind. Is this the store? That's it. Thanks again. Here's some cash for your trouble. Nah, you keep it. Need us to wait till your friend gets here? He's inside, I'm sure. Have a safe trip up the coast. Betsy headed into the store, searching for Jacob. The office was empty, so she went to the stock room. A few workers sat, smoking weed, unfazed by her presence. The receiving door to the back was half open. She could hear Jacob and Kate and felt a dark familiarity with the sight she was approaching. I want to burn him and take the money with us. All of it. Where can we do it? Where can we bring him? Do we have time for that? We need to dump him quick and find a way to get this chip out or deactivate it. We won't get anywhere if we don't. Jacob. Who the fuck are you? It's okay. It's Betsy. Don't worry. I already know who's in there. How? Is she like you or something? Betsy stared at Paul. She felt like she'd known him considerably well, as if she'd been terrified of him before. Long ago, he opened his eyes. (gasps) With a brutal lunge, he struck Kate's head with a tire iron, sending her slumping to the concrete. Jasmine walked along the shoreline and began to approach the fence of the farm from Betsy's vision. In the distance, she could see the painted water tower and the barn, both poorly lit by yellow lights. 
The property was mostly pitch black. Jasmine pulled up Betsy's drawing of the area, trying to get her bearings. Well, this is the place. Matches the coordinates. I can't fucking believe it. It's almost exact. From her backpack, she pulled out mini bolt cutters and started to clip away at the fencing. As she neared completion, she suddenly felt the earth below her shift and shake. What is that? In the parking lot, Jacob and Paul wrestled for control of Jacob's gun. The vibration of the earthquake sent them to the ground. Betsy crouched low and became nauseated. Jacob's gun seemingly crawled across the concrete in her direction as the other two awkwardly rolled, continuing to scuffle. Betsy picked up the gun and pointed it at Paul, who at that moment sat on Jacob and began to choke him. Jacob broke free of his grip momentarily, but was quickly overpowered by a much stronger Paul. Betsy opened her bag and dug through it to find Jacob's bullets scattered at the bottom. She took out the clip and loaded two rounds. A bullet went through Paul's face and his body dropped onto Jacob. Betsy rushed over to help push Paul aside. Jacob sat up slowly and embraced Betsy. They held each other, catching their breath. Betsy and Jacob dragged themselves, taking cover behind Paul's car. Can you run? Can't leave, Kate. Where? What the fuck is happening out there? What is that? As the siren wailed and the gunfire ceased, Jacob noticed a figure emerge from the back of the store, approaching them with a rifle confidently aimed. Dr. Gray's black SUV struck and launched the gunman through the air 30 yards away. Gray got out and rushed over. He grabbed Jacob, led him to the car, and threw him in the back. Betsy, get in! Okay, she's gone, I think she's moving. Gray returned fire. He then jumped back into the driver's seat and floored it. We need to get to higher elevation, away from the shoreline. As the car sped through the neighborhood, Betsy filled Jacob's clip with the remaining bullets. They're gonna find us. They're tracking me. What do you mean? Meanwhile, Jasmine rushed across the ranch, approaching the barn. The lights suddenly cut out as power across the county was lost. Then a backup generator kicked on, relighting parts of the ranch. Jesus! Flashlight. Flashlight. Okay. 
bottom of a slow, bottom of a slow. The ground is... What the hell? Jasmine's flashlight lit up the hatch. Hay and sand had been pushed aside to reveal it. She knelt down to take a closer look and then opened it slowly. She could see a ladder leading down 20 feet. Down we go. At the bottom, Jasmine found herself in a pitch black, narrow hall. She aimed her flashlight ahead and then began recording video with her phone. I'm underground, below a ranch outside of town. I've descended this ladder here, now heading down a hall, it seems. After 10 feet, a steel door with a tiny window emerged on her right. She tugged on the handle, but it didn't budge. She could see a weak red pin light emanating near the handle and then illuminated a numbered keypad on the wall. She shined her light through the dirty window and could see a room with metal tables. Animal cages were lined up along the wall. Looks like cages can't see anything moving in them. She continued down the hall and found a windowless door on her left. That's locked too. Continuing down the hall. She approached another steel door with a window and shined a light inside. What the fuck? Are those real people? Looks like three of them suspended in some kind of liquid-filled tubes. She tried the handle even more fiercely, but to no avail. Gonna keep moving. Looks like one more door at the end of this hall. I got a little water seeping in from above through ventilation. Jasmine got close to the door. She shined her light inside and could make out a bed and a chair. She looked down at another keypad. It was yet another locked door. Below that, on the floor, Coming from inside the room, a pool of water flowed. Diamond's hand slapped the window in a panic. Jasmine fell backward in fear, dropping her items. She picked her phone and flashlight out of the water and went back to the window. It's locked! I don't have a code! Jasmine pressed her head against the wall as the water flow increased along the floor. She thought about Betsy, and then it struck her, with her fingers shaking. She played the recording again. What was it you said? Things are brightening. I'm in a small field. No, no, back. Like a dog kennel. Numbers. White numbers over blackness. Three, nine, one, eight. Three, nine, one, eight. Come on! Jasmine and Diamond rushed down the hall in ankle-deep water. They ascended the ladder, emerging in the field. Jasmine shined her light back toward the river, flooding well over its banks, creeping further out onto the property. Let's get uphill and find the road. The local hospital was half-functioning on generator power. A pair of medics pushed a stretcher with a bleeding man across the lobby making their way through a set of security doors. As their commotion flowed down the hall and the door came toward a close, Dr. Gray's hand grabbed it, holding it open for Betsy and Jacob. Walk normal. Are y'all being helped? The three stopped in their tracks. Dr. Gray turned and calmly approached her. 
Don't look down at my gun. Keep your eyes on mine and smile. Lead us to a quiet room with ultrasound equipment. Sure. This way. Close the door and set up the machine, please. While the nurse readied the ultrasound, Dr. Gray quickly found basic surgical tools in a drawer. Jacob beat back the sick feeling in his gut as he rolled up his sleeve. Is it ready? Ready. Put the gel here on the shoulder. Yes, exactly. Hand me the probe. The image of Jacob's arm displayed on screen. There was a visible anomaly. I see it. How are you gonna fuck? Lower your voice. We need gauze and bandages. There's some in the next room. Son, hold the probe. Betsy, go with her. I have Evie's necklace. In my pocket, actually. The only thing I have left. I should have let you keep it that day. Jacob and Evie were twins. When they were 14 years old, a fire engulfed their home, trapping them inside. Their father was able to save Jacob, but couldn't make it to Evie in time. The necklace was found later, around her neck, untarnished. Hold very still. Fuck. Keep quiet. I'm close. In the hallway, Betsy kept an eye on the nurse, whose instinct to care for Jacob's new wound became quite evident. I'm getting a few extra things. We're gonna need to stitch that shitty incision he made. Betsy looked down the hall and could see two men out of place, cautiously checking rooms. Ready. They returned to Gray and Jacob. Just as the device was pulled from his arm, Dr. Gray tossed it aside. They're here. Jasmine helped Diamond as they made their way through the darkness. Jasmine's GPS stopped working, and she was uncertain if they were headed toward a main road. Using her flashlight, Jasmine flagged down the officer, who quickly got them into the car and began driving them to safety. Extremely lucky I found you. Anyone else back there? There were, uh... I need to contact Sheriff Rose. I found the missing girl. She was kidnapped and held back there on that property. What? Slow down. Slow down. The officer looked into the rearview mirror and stared at Diamond. His demeanor suddenly changed, and he grabbed his radio. I've got two females. Looks like they've escaped the flooding. Bringing them your way on Harvest Road. One of them mentioned your name. Copy that. Be advised, the water levels are increasingly dangerous near the rivers and creeks. The town isn't taking on that much, though. There are some areas under heavy water, so watch out for that. No way in or out of the area as far as we can tell. Copy. Dispatch. This is car 15. We've got at least 10 trees blocking P. Diamond! Your eye! What did they do to it? Diamond looked silently at Jasmine. There was redness surrounding her one eye. The pupils seemed to change size, unnaturally fast and erratic. At one point, a minute green light beam flickered across it. Can you talk? Can you say your name? Diamond faced forward and closed her eyes. The patrol car slowed down as it neared another with flashing lights. 
The officer exited and approached Rose, who stood by the other car. They spoke for a moment, and then let the women out of the back. Rose walked over to Diamond. Are you okay? Who are you, miss? What's your name? Diamond stayed quiet. Tears streamed down her face. She blinked, and the green light emerged for an instant. A heavy, dark feeling came over Rose. The road to the hospital is blocked. Take her to HQ and see if the doc or any of the other paramedics are there and can check her out. Then I need you back out here, pronto. You got it. Jasmine watched as the officer put Diamond back in the car and began pulling away. I can show you where I found her. Rose shoved Jasmine against the car and put her in handcuffs. What are you doing? (sighs) Something I should have done the first time we met. I'll stitch him up. Please, as fast as you can. Dr. Gray looked out the window and could see vehicles and figures arriving. He took out his phone. They're surrounding the building. I'll buy us time. Dr. Gray swiftly moved into the hall, holding his phone up to his ear and covering his eyes. He began to sob. The two men saw him and drew closer. (laughs) Julie, we lost grandmother. Just as their suspicion of him faded, he abruptly drew the scalpel hidden in his hand, plunged it into one man's throat, and tackled the other, sending them crashing into a supply room. With his adversary stunned, Dr. Gray repeatedly struck him until he fell still. The subdued man's phone buzzed in his jacket. Gray found it and used his lifeless hand to answer it. Update. I'm winning. 11-0. I see. Maybe we should call a timeout. Talk this situation through. Just us. Pull your people back. Of course. Bring Jacob. I'd like to make sure he's a... Sheriff, listen to me, please. Diamond was hostage on that property. They were experimenting on her and gave her that eye. You saw it. There were other people as well, other experiments. I can show you. My phone. I have video. Rose kept quiet and calm. The light of dawn colored the sky as he navigated a small winding two-lane road. Jasmine's head swirled, not knowing where they were going. The car slowed to a stop. Come on. On your knees. She faced out hundreds of feet above the water. The spray still reached her face on the cliff. Rose hurled Jasmine's phone into the Pacific, and her heart sank. He looked her in the eye and slowly walked around behind her out of view. She closed her eyes. Just please tell me you'll bring that girl back to her mama. I will. The life of the ocean air filled her lungs. An unfamiliar part of herself soothed her fears of death and the unknown. Her eyes were drawn to a mesmerizing view, a cloud waterfall spilling down a nearby cliff and out over the sea. In that moment, 
she found acceptance. She would not have lived her life any differently, pursuing the truth to this final moment and beyond. Rose removed the handcuffs. You got money and an ID? Jasmine nodded. Walk this road south five miles and you'll find a bus stop. Please leave this county, the state, and never come back for your own good. Jasmine lowered her face to the ground and prayed for the first time. Betsy, Dr. Gray, Jacob, and the nurse walked cautiously down a hallway toward double doors. Betsy, you should stay back with her. Why? I don't think he knows you're here. We may want to keep it that way. Jacob nodded to Betsy. She nodded back and gave him his gun. Gray and Jacob began to depart, but Dr. Gray stopped. Hey, Betsy, in cases go south and we don't speak again, you should know. I have tremendous reason to believe that your mother was murdered. Wish me luck. In the empty cafeteria, Dr. Gray sat alone at a table. His gun rested on the chair next to him as he ate a granola bar. Jacob sat alone two tables behind him, favoring his shoulder. Crane gracefully came through a door and scanned the room. He locked eyes on Gray and moved to join him. Your Crane? Yeah. I see you ordered food without me. Abysmal fucking manners. I couldn't wait to eat after disposing of so many of your goons. Who are you? Dr. Gray held up his hand and looked at his phone. I should take this. Hello? Look, man, this is the last translation I'm going to do for you. I don't want to play a part in this twisted, creepy game or whatever it is that you're playing with your students. Got it? Loud and clear. The voice says you will kill her. Okay? Now don't send me any more of this. Gray slowly put the phone away and looked up at Crane. What is it you want? Compensation. The psychic boy. I can use a good oracle. He's not an option. Where did you learn to fight so well? Were you a marine or something? CIA. Ha! Was not expecting that. A few too many of you around here these days. What does that mean? Look here, pudgy James Bond. This isn't some stupid-ass movie. I'm done talking. Jacob belongs to me now. And no, I don't care if he's your son. You've cost me enough. There's no way out of here, post-ceasefire. You're trapped. Post-ceasefire? I will bury every last one of you. You're not getting Jacob. I will burn this place down with everyone in it if I have to. As they stared, unflinching at each other, Dr. Gray reflected. Then, going against all intuition, pushing back hard against his will, he spoke. What if I could give you something even better?
Let me go. Please. Let me go. Betsy was bloody and beaten. Men dragged her body through what seemed to be a dungeon. They dropped her by a small metal door, opened it, and crammed her inside. After several minutes, she tried to stand up straight, but could only get as high as a crouch. The space was four by four by four, and pitch black. She dropped to the ground, curled into a fetal position, and closed her eyes. She could faintly see her mother's face before blacking out from exhaustion. Wake up. Wake up, sleepyhead. We're home. Did you have a nice time? Yeah. Yay. You okay? Did you have a bad dream? Uh-huh. I was by myself and I fell into a dark box. Oh, no. I didn't bring Jacob home. I messed up. Oh. Trust me, Jacob is safe. You did your best. And you're going to do much more, I promise. Betsy awakened. She sat up slowly, surrounded by the hollow echo of the dungeon. The peace that she had in sleep faded, and she felt panic inside. Hello? Hello? Is anyone else here? Betsy, let go of the fear. It's just illusions. Who is that? Are you here? Are you in my mind? I'm neither. Why did I do this? I've failed my whole life. I made all the wrong choices. This is where it ends. This is where I'll die. A prisoner. All are born free. All will die free. Only a few open their eyes and live free. Soon you will free yourself. Season 2 is in the works. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. Find the links in the show description. Keep an eye on this feed for bonus scenes, Season 2 trailers, and mini-episodes of Tearing Back the Veil with Jasmine Bowers. Thank you. See you soon.